Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Just a quick message to say, if you're interested in working with me on the topic of change, I've just agreed dates Um, kicking off the 30th of September 2021 for our next cohort of change superheroes. It's a really small select group we tend to work with. We have three um, three modules, different aspects of change, and you get free 360 feedback and say, I run it personally. And I really, really love running this um, particular training session. It tends to be HR, OD, and occasionally business professionals who are involved in change. And it's really, really practical. So if you're looking for some self-development uh, on the topic of change, then why not take a look at our website and do get in touch if you'd like to know more about that. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney, and I'm delighted to have an international best-selling author with me today, Dr. Beverly Kay. Um, I'm going to get her introduced a little bit about herself. She's, um, I'm very pleased that she's joining me first thing in the morning, all the way from California, which I'm grateful to, to you for getting up early for us this morning. But we're going to focus in on employee engagement and really how to have a slightly different approach to um, retaining and engaging employees. And we've just been chatting uh, off screen about how maybe the title of your book might be quite challenging, particularly for us Brits who are listening to this, um, Bev. Do you want to tell us a little, would you like to introduce yourself and then perhaps we'll talk a little bit about the book and, and what, you're, what you're suggesting? Okay, so hi everybody. My name is Bev Kay and I um, am a Jersey girl transplanted to Los Angeles and uh, have been a consultant for the past four decades. And um, my, my work is all in the area of career development, engagement, and retention. And um, on the engagement and retention side, I wrote a book, actually wrote it for the first time 20 years ago. And I am now on the sixth edition. And the title of the book is Love Them or Lose Them getting good people to stay. And I happen to work with a publisher uh, who believes the title of the book should say it all, not the subtitle, the title should tell the looker in a bookstore what it's all about. And so each word was carefully considered. The word love, when when we said, uh, my co-author and I, that we had to have it 
in the cover. That was 1999. And the publisher said, are you sure? Isn't there another word? And this is a business book. And, you know, no matter how much we looked, we could not find a word that said as much as love. The word love, even if you don't use it. You, you think um, love, caring about, nurturing, recognizing, even saying hello to all of those things count. And we stuck with the word love. And now to my thrill, it's, it's okay to use love in the workplace. Um, the word lose is all about, you know, sometimes you love them and you still lose them. And the thing is that um, worse is losing them and having them stay. Right. You know, having them not say, have awful. their engagement, not have their excitement. So, yes, we're still going to lose but we don't want to lose them on the job and have them stay. And, and the word good, just because I think too often we look to keep people who are just our hypos and we don't think about all the treasure in the massive middle. And um, stay now, the word stay has taken on new meaning, at least in the United States, because if, if not the globe, because we are saying there are multiple ways to stay within your own organization. So don't be so quick to look outside for something better. Look inside first. And that's really what the whole book is about. So I can see that that is, was very relevant 20 years ago, but actually I can see why it's still so entirely relevant. The whole subject about employee engagement is, uh, is still key. What you just alluded to there in terms of, um, you know, retaining all people. So it's not just the top potential strengths and also things like um, career paths. Lots of people want to talk about. So how do we stay and give people different routes? So all of those are really topical. And then, of course, the whole idea of love them, which is, so interesting. So um, since we've been working in this more remote way, one of the big shifts I think I have suggested that we need to do as line managers is be more people first centric. I feel that we've got quite transactional in the workplace, but with this remote working through a pandemic, working remotely, actually being people oriented, which I guess is, you know, love them, has actually become really, really relevant or very topical, it would seem to me. Right. That, have you found that in terms of the remote working, how this has kind of come to the fore again? Absolutely. In fact, um, one uh, piece that I'm going to give you to share with your followers is something I wrote about 26 ways um, to stay connected to your remote employees. And, and the book is actually written around the alphabet. So there's 26 uh -huh. chapters. 26 ways. And, um, and I believe that um, love shows through in the relationships you build, in, um, in the way you develop and grow people, and in the culture or environment that a manager builds. So you're right on about people-centric and never 
have I heard us say it more than than now? Um, because people are everything. You know, our talent is everything. And now I think there are choices for talent. And talent won't put up with a manager who doesn't treat them well. And it is all about, again, as people are maybe in hybrid environments or working remotely, you haven't necessarily got the draw of the office or the things. So that relationship with the line manager um, it becomes right. much more of a, of a key to the engagement. I mean, it was always when you looked at what drove engagement, actually, it all came down to, I'd say, 70 or 80 percent of what drives engagement comes down to what line managers do, I guess, right. well, and how they do it. I mean, exactly. do you do you have any sort of specifics that you'd say? Uh, you, you, I mean, you say you just brought out the sixth edition of your book. And I say congratulations on having such a such a successful book to have a, to be on your sixth edition is an international bestseller. What do you um, what sort of tips would you say? What's evolved over that period of time in terms of manager skills or conversations? Have things you changed? Know, it's interesting. The um, the surround sound has changed. You know, uh, in 20 years, we've been through massive downsizing. And we've been through massive, um, not enough talent to fill the roles. And now the world went through COVID when people started working from home. Through all of that, the main, um, the main uh, uh, tenets of the book, the main teachings of the book have remained the same. And um, although some... You know, the, I said it's 26 chapters. We, in, when we teach it, we divide it into three uh, clusters or groups. And one cluster is um, development and growth. And we have six or seven of the chapters that fit there. The second cluster is relationships and six or seven chapters fit there. And the third is culture and six or seven fit there. And so an engagement-focused manager, a talent-focused manager attends to all those things. And I think nowadays, a talent-focused manager asks each and every employee what they want. So it's not like I do for one, I do for all. Mm -hmm because now there's many different alls um, out there. It's absolutely right. So it's flexing and adapting your style to the needs of your team, which right. is challenging for managers, because again, you can't be transactional. You've got to have empathy. You've got to have emotional intelligence um, and you've got to have flexibility to be able to adapt your style. And also a bit about being motivated to do it as well. As a, as, a, as a line manager in that, that situation. Right. And, and, you know, you remind me of the Q chapter because Q stands for question. And the subtitle is, which will you keep the rules or the people? And so over the two decades, it is time to question old rules and to question a rule for the sake of your talent. And um, that chapter has gotten a lot of attention, especially this year with COVID. 
It's like what rules, what ways of working do we throw out and what rules do we keep? And it makes it harder for a manager because in the old days, a manager could say, I would love to say yes to you for that request. But if I say yes to you, I have to say yes to everybody else. Now, with the strength of the diversity and inclusion and equity wave around the world, managers um, have to treat people as, as individuals and not as a group. I mean, that is, I think is one of the um, real challenges for HR as well at the moment in terms of managing these, because I completely agree to get the best out of people. People want to be um, you know, treated as individuals, which means you've got to be very adaptable as a, as a manager. And I guess that might mean things like stopping the presenteeism, the nine to five, being more flexible about how people work, where people work, those sort of things. Um, and it's, it's I suppose it's going to come back down to trust. We've talked about quite a few times on the podcast is, is trusting people um, not to abuse it. And the challenge that HR often have is have to put rules in for the minority to manage these things. What happens if people abuse the freedom or otherwise? I don't know whether there's, are there any solutions um, or tips that you've got for HR to help, help with this? You know, I think HR should um, say to managers, ask your people what they need now in this environment and listen carefully to what they say they need and want. You know, the first chapter in the book is the A for the alphabet and A stands for ask. And it's really about not having to do exit interviews if you do what we call stay interviews. If you ask your people why they stay and what they need, And when we suggest that, we have a whole list of great stay interview questions. Um, Because when managers ask, what can I do to keep you? It's when you hand in your resignation. And I think they should ask that question sooner and often. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? So very often you wouldn't have that conversation until the person actually was going. So you're saying proactively, what do you like? What works? What what keeps you? What will keep you motivated? Exactly. And when we suggest managers do that, many of them kind of go, oh, well, if I ask my people, they would say more money or that other job or that whatever that I can't produce. Therefore, I'm afraid to open up that whole conversation. And what we say to them is open it anyway, because the data you'll get is so important. And if their first answer is dollars or that other job, then tell the truth Mm -hmm. and say, I can't deliver on that. But boy, I want to know what else matters because I'm determined to find something that I can get my arms around, that I can deliver, because I don't want to lose you. That's um, a very, I was triggered me thinking about the, the emotional bank account, you know, Cubby's thing about the emotion. It's a real deposit in the emotional bank account with your people that you're genuinely wanting to do the best by them. That is going to, you can see why that would create loyalty, because they feel valued as individuals. 
Right. Absolutely. In fact, a good exercise for any of your listeners is um, take the table of contents from the book and you could probably get it online, but if you want to buy the book, do, um, and show the table of contents A through Z's to each one of your employees and say, which three do you want more of from me? And that will target you to those three things. Because one employee would say, well, the C for career. Another employee would say, no, it's the L in your book for link. I I don't have any network anymore now that I'm remote. I'd love to have a meeting with three or four people. Uh, So there are many things that are possible but each individual has to answer for themselves. So that's so. So basically, the book you're saying is it's got 26 chapters. It's all about that. It's, it's almost um, conversation starters or topics exactly. that you can you exactly. get going with. They are 26 practices, and within each chapter is probably 126 ideas. Because you have to say what's comfortable for me, as a manager and as a leader. I think that sounds like a really useful, really practical. So we'd like to make things practical in the HR uprising. So really practical ways, because often managers don't know where to start these conversations. So it could help them to do it. Exactly. If, if we we're in HR, in a, in a business, we could look at those, as you say, get the table of contents and, and give people and share, you know, educate managers as to how they could have these broader, less right. transactional conversations with people. Exactly. Exactly. So so they don't actually have to love the use the love word, or is it in terms of, of that? That's it's, that is basically what it's about treating them as an individual and and caring deeply for what what people value. And it, in fact, on the back of the book, it says, "Admit it, you love them, even if you don't use that word. They are your talent. You need them, etc." Mm-hmm. And it's and we do need these relationships in the workplace, don't we? And that's maybe again something where we are working more remotely to make sure that we still have this this connection with people because we need emotional relationships. I'm thinking also going going back to the um, engagement questions, the original sort of Gallup engagement questions that people always used to talk about. That I have a best friend at work. That was often a question that people would say it was quite weird. But if you real right. reality, it's people that keep you as an organisation, isn't it? Having mm-hmm. close relationships. It is. It's. I mean, that's the title of your book. It's people that keep you. Yeah. 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 And, and are you keeping your people? And are you noticing, like, now that we have Zoom, managers look at the room that your employee is Zooming from, ask a question about it. You know, if their puppy enters the room, ask about that you know show interest in the whole person yeah and that's very different from the old days of um leave leave your personal life at home it is yes it's so much more intimate seeing people's houses isn't it right 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 Mm. exactly so what so um those are very practical things that we can we can do in terms of um, using uh, using your book there. Are there any other tips that you've got or that you found have been particularly important for? Well, you mentioned uh, inclusion. That is a, a really interesting topic at the moment, um, and, and the awareness has certainly developed hugely over the last twenty years. What right. thoughts have you got on on that? Well, it's interesting um, you ask because 
the one request the publisher made on this edition was to show the link between engagement and inclusion. And um, we thought we had it in our D chapter. And D stood, stands for uh, dignity, show respect. And he said, no, I think it's in every chapter. And, and that was very smart because it made us look at every single chapter and realize that it was crucial to um, inclusion. And uh, when we asked, and we're not diversity inclusion experts, but we asked our friends who have written those books. And we said, can you pick five chapters, five practices of the 26 that most relate to inclusion and belonging? And no one picked the same five. Oh, really? So it blew my theory. But what it said is it depends on the individual mm. and how they want to be included as to what most uh, connects to inclusion. Um, you know, the T is for truth. Tell it. Um, that's a big connector. And the U is for understand, listen deeper. And that's crucial. And the, um, the M is for mentor. And I want to feel like I'm being mentored. And that's critical to my feeling included. And I guess so it's going to vary, isn't it? For each one, right? And it, it might vary from where you are, not just in, in people's, um, careers as well so at a certain stage you might want to be more mentored other times you want to be understood it, it depends on your needs at the time or you know exactly. what's going to be the, the thing that's most needed for you exactly and and as a career um, specialist and writer of books on career of course I think it's one of the things closest to home like uh, if my if I can't see my future with this company if I don't feel like I'm growing, not necessarily moving up. And the another book I wrote was titled Up is Not the Only Way. So I think people have to see multiple ways to grow in their own organization. And that is about your manager believing in you and feeling you've got opportunities and, and to play to your strengths. And, and again, in flatter organizations, it isn't always about just going up and being line managers. As you say, it's finding those... Yeah. The, the, the ways in which we feel fulfilled a lot of that is about right. learning and things like that you don't have to be promoted necessarily to feel absolutely. fulfilled absolutely and you know the, the o in the book is for uh opportunities a and i think people are either opportunity minded or opportunity blinded they do not see what's right in front of them and I think we have to all be much more opportunity-minded now. So if you are um, speaking to an HR audience and they're thinking, this will make sense to me, Bev, I get all of this. Um, I'd love my managers to, to do more of this. You talked about things to do with culture. A lot of that is about maybe having a culture where this feels acceptable. Um, have you got any tips for people who are trying to enable this kind of approach in their cultures? Um. I think that 
HR. And um, in, in the back of the book, there's a set of a dozen questions for HR leaders to have with teams of, with themselves about, are we building the systems and the structures to support this feeling of I'm staying? Because it's not all on the back of the manager. And I wanna underline that it's on the back of the individual who has to say to the manager, I need more of this. Here's how to engage me. So it is speaking to HR people in your audience. I always say it's a three part stakeholder game where the individual is spark, the manager is the support, not the answer machine, and the organization creates the systems and the structure. The triangulation, really, about getting, yeah, does that make sense? The interlocking circles. Fantastic. I think it sounds great. We'll put links in the show notes to um, to, to your book and, and to your website. So in terms of if people wanted to get in touch with you or know more about your work, how would they find you? The easiest is, I guess, the website. And it's uh, Beb K and Company. And the books are all described there. And I'm glad to, um, you know, chat with anybody who wants to chat about these ideas. Fantastic. Well, we'll direct them to the website from hruprising.com on our show notes. We'll always have a page where we do all the links where people can connect with you and um, and, and, and learn more about what it is. Because I, what I love about this is it sounds very, very practical, whether you're in HR or um, a manager, there's some just thought provoking. You don't have to put it all into action, but just might trigger a few thoughts as to, to things That's that you right. could do. One new way of doing something. You could do one a month or something, couldn't you? Yeah, it's just it's a bit of a theme to, to just freshen up what we're doing. It's always good yeah, to. Lovely. Good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the HR Uprising. It's been a pleasure to meet you. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.